Hey everyone, welcome to The Exchange Daily. Today is Wednesday, May 6th, 2020, where every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we go through a psalm or a passage and meditate on God's Word, and our desire is just to stay connected and to practice the ways of Jesus together. Um, We are going to be in Psalm 27, Psalm 27, and I know that maybe you've heard people say things like this before, but um, this truly is my favorite psalm. It's been kind of my life psalm. Um, If someone ever asked me, do you have like a life Bible verse? I really don't know how to answer that. It's very difficult. It's like, uh, depends on the week. But uh, my go-to, I guess you could say my life Bible verse is here in Psalm 27 at the end, which we'll get to on Friday. Um, But this psalm is an incredible psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. Um, It's worth you just even hitting pause now and reading it if you'd like. Uh, But this psalm, I think, just deals with a lot of just humanness. Uh, There's a lot of fear and anxiety David addresses uh, in his own life. And really kind of then this this change of like, well, I'm going to have faith and press in. And I just absolutely love this psalm. So Psalm 27, Psalm 27. uh, Let me just give you some background on this before we do anything else. Uh, Here in Psalm 27, David is the author David usually has a good backstory to some of his psalms, and we're not positive what his backstory was here. Usually, it's agreed upon that David, when he wrote this, was in one of two boats. Either he wrote this when he was exiled from Israel after King Saul decided to hunt him and kill him. Remember how, you know, he was anointed king, and Saul knew he would one day be king, and he hated him and tried to murder him, and They say he wrote this during exile, and that's very possible. Or two, other Jewish rabbis have said that this was written in the context of 2 Samuel 21. 2 Samuel 21 is where David's an older man, uh, and he went out to battle against the Philistines, and he's fighting or he's battling against a son of Goliath. Um, I think it's pronounced Ishbi Benab. Um, That was one of his sons. And so David is trying to kill, or yeah, they're trying to fight each other, kill each other. Um, And David's about to lose, it seems. And then Abishai appeared on the scene and he rescues David and he kills Ishbi Banab, the son of Goliath. And that's when Abishai said, hey, listen, you're too old to be fighting giants. Go home, uh, lest the fire of Israel go out. And so David, who was probably approaching 70 years old, might have written this around then. And the rabbis tell us David penned this psalm at this time. And so I think we can just hear David boldly uh, express his heart. Like, it seems like he didn't want to go home. He's a warrior who who still thinks he has it. So in the psalm, David teaches us how to overcome our fears. He's basically saying, if we know the Lord and trust him, he helps us overcome our fears, um, the fears that can paralyze us. So this psalm is 14 verses, and it really uh, can be divided up in some way. So we're going to look at verse 1. Uh, through six in today's podcast. So verse one, here's what David says. Verse one to three, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear the war may rise against me, and this I will be content. Now, if you understand the context of what happened with Goliath's son, then this makes sense. Whom shall I fear? 
he says, I'm not going to fear. A lot of us have fear. I deal with fear. This is a struggle of mine. Um, And notice his response to fear is, the Lord is my light. By the way, he starts the psalm with the Lord, and he ends the psalm with, wait on the Lord. He begins with and ends with God, with the Lord, with him. Uh, And this psalm is 14 verses, but he mentions the Lord 13 times. So he says, the Lord is my light. This is the first time in the Bible light is used as a metaphor for God. Now, light is used over and over and over again for God and, and that God is light and in him there's no darkness. But this is the first time. Now, why is this important? David is surrounded by enemies and he says, even if armies surround me, I will be confident. You see, the enemy attacks at night, usually. The enemy attacks at darkness. But he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He will protect me. You know, some of you are attacked or make your worst decisions at night. Know that the Lord is our light. We don't have to fear. You know, children fear darkness and, and even adults can possibly at times. And this is David saying, but the Lord is my light. He, he lights that up. So what's your enemy? Is it you? Is it a friend? Is it empty time? Is it a relationship? Let God be the light. Allow God to shine on those dark areas of our life. Um, listen, our circumstances might never change. Let's say you're in a terrible place in life, but what can change is our perspective on those circumstances. David says, I'm not going to fear because God is my light and my salvation. And and now in verse three, he, he really just deals with faith. He, he's basically saying, I have so much freedom from fear and anxiety that even if an army, an army came up against me, I'd be okay. I'm able to handle it. And so now he's really referring to faith. And and in verse four, he's saying, here's the secret to his faith, really. I mean, there are two verbs I want to point out. It's these words, dwell and behold, dwell and behold. Those are the two. So let's take a look. Um, How can you have a strategy that will enable you to face um, any of the fear and anxieties and the stresses of life? Two words, dwell and behold. Verse four, he says, one thing... I have desired of the Lord that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord for in the time of trouble. He shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Verse six. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Verse four, he says, one thing I ask of the Lord. One thing I have desired that I will seek. Um, And then he said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Now, first of all, he says, one thing I have desired, not money, not powerful ministry, but dwelling in the house of the Lord. He says, this is the one thing. He actually says one thing, and then he gives two examples. He says one thing, and then it's like to behold and to dwell. Um, This reminds me of something that uh, Paul did in in Philippians 3. If you remember in Paul in Philippians 3, he said, one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind me, and I press toward the goal of the upward call of God. Paul's like, there's one thing I do, and that one thing has two things. I forget the things, and I press on. That's kind of what David's saying. This one thing I desire. Now, I really would pay attention to this one thing he desires. I mean, this is a very wise man. 
who who really has it all, and he's king. And he has, you know, influence, money, power. And he says, I want one thing really though. Now, honestly, what is that one thing you desire? Like right now, right now, what is the one thing you are desiring? What is that one thing, I mean, you crave? Um, and and what, do, what do you desire and pursue more than anything? Or, or what do you seek after the most? Is it really Jesus? I mean, how do we make it Jesus? David said, one thing I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Now, what does it mean to dwell in the house of the Lord? You know, you know, one of the things you have to think about is David is not thinking so much about a physical spot like he wants to live there. First of all, he couldn't dwell in the house of the Lord literally. You can't live in the temple, and in David's case, the tabernacle. Um, he wasn't asking for that. Only the Levites, in a sense, could live there in some ways. He's saying he wants to experience the unbroken presence of God. When he says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. He's saying, I want the unbroken presence of God. He wants to belong to the house of God, to be in constant communion or relationship with God. He wants to always be in touch with him. He's basically saying he wants to be in an intimate relationship with God so that whatever happens, I'm with him and he's with me. Now, this is how David dealt with fear. He pursued after this desire of longing to be in the presence of God. Here, here's where fear and anxiety comes from. All of us have good things in our life. And we love them and we desire them. Good good things. Parents and children are good things. A career is a good thing. Romance is a good thing. Sex is a good thing. All sorts of things are good things. And we have lots of good things in our life. But when the good thing, listen, when the good thing becomes the one thing we think we have to have in order to be happy. When, when the good thing becomes the one thing and we gaze on them, we seek them, we gaze on their beauty, we adore them. And we believe we cannot receive just life joyfully unless we have that. So when good things become the one thing, when good desires become the main desire, that's when anxiety and fear comes from. That's where it comes from. Because you have potential to lose all of that. All of those one things can be lost, and that brings fear. We have fear because we don't want that thing taken from us. We don't want to lose that position, that status, that whatever, that relationship. See, what happens when good things become one things? We all have good things in our life, but when those good things become one things, life is out of order. We obsess over those one things. We get anxiety or fear. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful or friendships or good position. Uh, the motivation and what you do with it matters. But does that desire control us? And is that our main focus? And what happens when we don't get that one thing? Are we anxious? Do we feel like life has fallen apart? If so, it's because our life is out of order. But if God, listen, if God is the one thing, we will never be ultimately let down or disappointed. Anxiety won't be there because the one thing we were created for has become the one thing in our life. And some of you, maybe right now, are so broken because your one thing isn't God, it's something else. And it's been taken or it fails you. To, to simplify it, but it, uh, it's beautiful. I mean, we know this, but to simplify this thought, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. Seek him first. Seek first his kingdom. This, this needs to be the one thing, to, to long to be with him, to dwell. And the second part to the one thing is to behold. Listen, he says this one thing, to dwell. And then in verse four, he says, to behold the beauty, to behold the beauty 
of the Lord. Now, what does it mean to behold something? Behold, it's an interesting word. Behold means you you stare at it, you look upon it, you turn it over in your you you turn it over in your imagination, the thing you want. It, it might be a career, it might be a house, the beach, it might be a person, and you and you think what life will be like if you get it. You behold. You know, you think about the beauty of it. You fill your mind with it. You taste it. You rest in it. We do it with everything else but God. Now, do it with him is what he's saying. That, that's the only thing to make the real one thing the one thing. Behold, behold his beauty. God is described as beautiful. You guys, look at Jesus. Spend time with him. Spend time thinking about him when you pray. Remember what the Bible says about him. Behold him. Uh, it, it talks about this in Second Corinthians three. It says, "But we all, with the with unveiled face, are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord." You hear that? Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Look to Jesus. You and I will become more and more like Him. That's what we look at. Behold. Behold him, look at him, look at what he's doing, look at him dying for you, gaze on the beauty of God. This is called, in just theology, the beatific vision. It kind of comes to the word beautiful, but or beauty, but one day we will see him, one day we'll see his beauty. This is the climax of human history. The climax of human history is, is really described as the day we see Jesus. You know, it talks about this in 1 John 3. It says, when we see him, we will be like him. And, and again, my point is all, all of us have fear and anxieties because we dwell in the wrong places and we behold the wrong things. David has faith and no fear because he's dwelling in God's house and beholding his face. So here's what we see. Behold the beauty. Take in, stare upon, look gaze upon um, just Jesus. And we all see dwell in the right place, dwell in his presence. Listen, if you are dealing with fear and anxiety during this time, make the most of it to behold and to dwell, to dwell and behold, dwell in the presence, behold his, his beauty. David's saying, you know what? I won't fear. He's my light. He's my salvation. I've looked upon him. I've seen him. I've still looked upon him and my fear and my anxieties are moved. I will, I will sing. I will make sacrifices. He's like, I will praise you. You set me upon a high rock. No one can get to me because I behold you. I dwell in your presence. Uh, church, let us do this. Let us make the most of this. Um, I can't believe we're really in, you know, this. I can't believe we're just this many weeks into this pandemic. You know, it's May 6th. Part of me is like amazed by that. I did not think it'd be this long. And then at different points, I thought it'd be way longer. But I would just encourage you guys to press into this. So listen, love you guys. God bless you guys. Remember, join us online for Zoom groups. Uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. We'd love for you just to join us tomorrow, the National Day of Prayer. We're going to be praying. And uh, we would love for you to join us on Facebook and Instagram Live at 12.15 for prayer. Uh, that is, again, Thursday, 12.15 for prayer. Guys, stay connected. Text someone. Reach out to someone. Uh, tell them you love them. We love you guys. God bless you. Uh, talk to you and see you soon. Bye.